America, Washington, D.C., signing on. From the Gorilla Camp, located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina, it is Radio Contra back on the air, back in the saddle in here. After the uh, RTO, Advanced RTO and Signals Intelligence course, it was wet, it was cold, it was frozen, uh, there was flooding, there was lightning, there was... Uh, a tornado that passed by not too far away from us. It was all the things, and yet we still had a packed house. We had an incredible group of folks, and I think uh, one of the, the overall best classes that I think that, that I have run yet, and, and that's not to diminish any of the others because I've had just some, some slam-dunk uh, crews of people out there that, that have come together and uh but this one this one was really really something i had i had a lot of uh really incredible humans that were in there who who were just so talented in their own right and uh you know both their professional experience and and you know everything that they brought to the table and their points of view and you know i'm going to tell you something you know, I stress this often, and I don't think that I get enough opportunities to stress it enough, that we very often in the, the Patriot community, the Prepper community, the Partisan community, um, you know, whatever it is you want to call it, the conservative dissident movement, I think is um, really a, a good term for it. But a lot of times we we get this black pill effect and, and, you know, you see it among people who are terminally online. Um, you know, they, they, all they do is digest social media and, you know, and, and they're kind of fed, um, that and that alone, you know, you, you end up getting this, this black pill effect, you know, our, our brains are very much like small computers in and of themselves, right? Uh, a very well-designed computer. And um, one that that computers, mechanical computers, are are constantly trying to uh, emulate, right? Machine learning and all of that. What what they're really trying to do is is, uh, recreate the human brain. Recreate that which the divine, that which the Lord designed. And, um, you know, it's, it's just very interesting that like with a computer, when we put... Uh, bad information in, all you're going to get is is bad information out. And so when you're stuck terminally online, when you are uh, only consuming 
social media, when you're only consuming uh, things that are really meant for entertainment purpose rather than information purpose, and, and that would be a lot of the, the video media that's out there. A lot of, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, you know, you begin to see it for more than what it is, and when that which you are consuming is overwhelmingly negative, then that's really the only outcome that, that you're going to be served with. Uh, it's just like with a computer program. If, you know, all you're putting is bad information in, what do you really think you're, you're going to be drawing out of it? And so, um, you know, that for me, and, and I tell every class this, you know, that, that for me is, is really one of the big things is, is when you look around uh, the room in any class that, that I've run and you see the incredible people who have come out of the woodwork um, that, that really is something special and it defeats that black pill effect. It defeats that despair, that isolation that, that we all kind of, uh, suffer from, from time to time. And, and to be, to be completely candid with you, when every class wraps up, uh, no matter how long it is, you know, six days is a lot of time to be away from the family. It's a lot of time you pulled in a million directions and you're feeling everybody's questions and, and you know, whatever. But I love it. And um, I love it. I love every second of it. And when those classes wrap up, you know, I have I have a little bit of depression there um, because these are people that, that I get to experience and share that time with that brief moment in time and get to know and field their questions and, and watch them develop in such a small amount of time, though. You, you get to watch them develop and watch them develop those skills and see those aha moments and, you know, and, and share in those little bits of personal success that they have. Right. And, and you're helping them along that path of, of, of getting that much stronger. And so when it, it comes time to part ways, you know, it, it's it's bittersweet. You, you don't you know, obviously got a family to get back to and, you know, real world and I got to get back in the saddle and I have orders that, that need to go out and I've got a billion and a half emails that I got to get caught up on and all the things, right? Podcasts and here, here we are. But at the same time, you know, you miss those people. It, it's, you know, I, I used to tell people that running classes was all the best times and best opportunities that I had in the army with none of the bad ones, you know, none of the bad ones, the, the camaraderie, the friendship, all the things that, that we experience, uh, in, in a infantry unit, I can say, uh, speak for those experiences that, yeah, you know, um, you get all that. I get all that. I get all that from, from the students in class and, and I absolutely love it. So, uh, you know, RTO, Advanced RTO and Signals Intelligence all together this past week absolutely rocked the house in spite of kind of the curveball that we got thrown with the weather on a couple of days. And there were some some training events that I had to drag out and there were some that I had to kind of, uh, you know, Kind of shorten a little bit, cut cut a couple of things short, not shortchange anybody, absolutely not. And all my training objectives were satisfied, but we just had to adjust the schedule a little bit to to go around that. So it was a little flexible, and um, but in a good way, in a good way. And and one of the things that it allowed us to do was spend more time on some other topics that 
in an interactive format that I think was really beneficial to the students who were there. And, um, you know, anyway, that being said, of course, it, it was an incredible time. And I think a, a wonderful time was had by all. I've got a lot of emails from the students that were in that class that were uh, very touching to me that, you know, they that that was really, really important to me that um, they and they and they all said this, that they got more than than what they came there for. And, um, you know, they they everybody shows up with with a certain number of questions and everybody there got more than they came there for. And, and that, my friends, is where it is at. That is when the learning is happening. And that's that's how I know that I'm doing my job, um, you know, and, and and that is my job. My job is is a teacher. I'm a trainer. And um you know, on top of all these other neat things that I get to do, but my, my primary vehicle of interacting with you, hands down, bar none, is training. And so, uh, you know, the training calendar is up, brushbeater.store. You can check out the open enrollment dates that are up there. Those are all pretty much the 2024 is rounded out. There may be a couple more dates that that populate up there. Um, I will tell you, I will drop this little hint. There is someone I am working with for a potential class in Southern California. Um, I've been kind of apprehensive about that in the past. Uh, but uh, these guys look, look very solid. And so... You know, there, there's been a lot of people in California, and, and California is a huge place, all right, and a beautiful place. There's a lot of wonderful people living there. Um, your politics suck. I think everybody knows that. And um, been kind of apprehensive about going out there because of that. Um, but, you know, we need to be training our people behind enemy lines. And, and I made it very clear that, you know, you provide a place and you provide the numbers and, um, you know, and, and, and we'll try and make this thing happen. And, and it, it looks like it may work out. Uh, so that might be one that is going to be added to the calendar. And there may very well be uh, a signals intelligence course that will be added to the calendar here in North Carolina as well due to the popular demand. Um, that is one class that is, that is uh, very, very high demand. And, uh, you know, I do have some dates coming up out in, in beautiful Montana in April. We're going to be doing a SIGINT course out there, and, and we've got a couple other dates that are going to be on the calendar as well. Uh, so, anyhow, brushbeater.store. You can check out the training schedule uh, under training courses. Of course, you can also go to brushbeater.org for the completed calendar up there with the embedded links. And of course, I've also got course dates up there for my very good friend Kay from Combat Studies Group. He will be here in North Carolina in March. And so those dates are up as well. And I'm going to be adding a couple more dates for my other good friend and my neighbor, Brian Morris, uh, retired master sergeant from third group special forces, former SEER instructor. I've had him on a podcast a couple of times and uh, three times, in fact. And he's got some core states that are going to be coming up as well that are going to dovetail really well with mine. Um, so he's getting into the small unit tactics training game. And I am very, very happy to see it 
because, I mean, the dude's got Ph.D. level S.U.T. under his belt. And um, I really don't think that there's anybody finer that you could be be learning from. He's a very, very good friend. And, um, you know, it, it's – it's. I'm telling you, you want to talk about a guy who's been there, done that? Brian it, Brian has been there, done that. Kay has been there, done that. You know, and and it, it's you, – you, I'm telling you, I've said this many times too about the current training community that, that is evolving around us. There is no better time, and I am I am as serious as a heart attack when I say this. I can't think of a time in American history where there has been more real-world combat knowledge that is being offered to you by truly dangerous men than it is today, than the contemporary training uh, uh I would say the contemporary training culture of today, and and there are so many companies out there, so many excellent companies out there. Um, I mean, I could go into naming a few um, that that I've interacted with, haven't had the opportunity necessarily to work with them, um, and I know somebody would probably get their feelings hurt because I'd leave them out, Uh, but there are so many incredible guys. Right, so many incredible guys that are willing to share what they know and give a very positive training uh, experience, and you're you're literally getting so much. Uh, you are getting so much out of that. So you know, get out there and do that. I mean, overcoming that black pill effect, you know, because I'm telling you, that's what they want. That's what the liberals want. That's what the media wants. That is what they want: is you to be isolated, you to be down in the dumps, you to bury your head in the sand. And 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 not get out there and do anything. And I'm telling you, uh, that that's going to be one of the cornerstones of the show today. Is uh, what what is meaningful in terms of doing things and and useful activity, and then kind of what's all for show, all right? And uh, I'm going to be talking about that. But of course, it, there, there's a couple of things that, that I do want to address. Uh, first, of course, uh, something that is very, very important to me, and um, you know, this was probably not even a minor footnote uh, in the news, uh, unless you're tuned into a lot of libertarian circles, um, you know, and and have been kind of on the, I would say, the wrong side of of the media. Um, with this whole Ukraine war, this, this uh, debacle, this Waterloo for the West has been the Ukrainian-Russian uh, war. But uh, the death of Gonzalo Lira. So Gonzalo Lira has passed away. He died in a Ukrainian prison at the age of 55. Um, and, you know, you... you may or may not know who he is. If you followed me for a long time, you, you probably have an idea of who he is. Uh, but he was an independent journalist who was living in Ukraine. He was a United States citizen. He um, was arrested by the Ukrainian government uh, of Zelensky and placed in indefinite detention and was cut off from the world uh, as a Russian propagandist, or so it was said. 
His crime was simply speaking out. Speaking out against injustice, speaking out against the absurdity uh, that, that was that war, and much of what he said and much of his observations were absolutely correct. Um, the current incarnation of the Ukrainian government, which has completely outlawed any political opposition, by the way, uh, canceled elections as well. It's quite democratic of them to do so. Um, he simply criticized them and was labeled a, a Russian propagandist and put in prison and, and has subsequently died as a result. You know, I have some, some thoughts on this. The first is, um, you know, we always kind of have that question of, of what radicalized you, quote unquote, right? What brought you from wherever you were politically, uh, left, right, center, what have you, um, to where you are today, to listening to this podcast right now, to you and I, our voices connecting, whether you agree or disagree, what brought you here? Question that. What are your principles? Question those. What are you willing to die for? And when you ask yourself what you're willing to die for in, in that question, right, those are the factors that radicalize us. Those are the things for which we value greater than life itself. Whether they are principles, whether they are family, whether it is ideology, morality, any of the things that, that we put together, whatever that is, suicide in the altruistic sense, as Emil Durkheim would point out, something greater than ourselves, that our death may further the lives of others. You know, so my answer to that, one of the factors in that is the fact that this, and, and I would say part of it, I, I was always very politically awake, even from, from a young child, um, kind of realizing that there's a lot of fragility to all of this and that maybe not everything, you know, in the 1990s, there was a lot of political turmoil that, that was um, painted uh, on, on the television screens uh, for us and, and for, for children growing up, we, you know, we saw it. Um, internal strife. And I would say one of the, the things that radicalized me coming up in, in all of these, um, that this, in, in spite of that turmoil was the, the promise of America that at the end of the day, externally, no matter what happened, there were good guys and bad guys and that the bad guys would eventually get theirs. And then at some point along the, along the way, and I'm not sure exactly when it was, I realized that that wasn't so realized that that maybe perhaps just maybe uh, the bad guys were the ones in charge maybe we were the bad guys and with the death of Anwar Al-Awlaki now I'm not sympathizing for that guy and I'm fairly certain that you know there's not too many people that miss him uh, he, he was absolute threat to Americans. He was he, absolutely. Um, 
he was somebody who needed to be taken off the battlefield. However, he was an American citizen. And he was the first, at least to my knowledge, American citizen who was killed in absentia. Now, I get it. He was a terrorist. He was a propagandist for Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. In Yemen, interestingly enough, where they <laughs> that was how long ago now? Well over a decade. We were operating in Yemen then. We're operating in Yemen now. We haven't really moved the needle much in 10 years. And no matter how many bombing campaigns that we carry out on Stone Age living people, we just can't seem to beat them. There's a lesson to be learned there that I think is is largely falling on deaf ears. But Anwar al-Awlaki was an American citizen. We knew where he was. They killed him because they could. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have put him to death. There's a lot of Americans that I have absolutely no problem with. We dropped the hammer on them. A lot of them have pink hair. Yeah, I said it. But... But the difference is, is that they killed him as a demonstration of power and the fact that they could kill him because it's easy to justify a target like that. Very easy to do that. It's very easy to suspend the rights of the other when your real goal is to suspend the rights of everyone else. And in the decades since, we killed him with a Hellfire missile, by the way, fired from a drone. Look at how far we've come. And so they took a man like Gonzalo Lira, whose only crime was his words, his only crime was his thoughts. If we wanted him out of that Ukrainian prison, he could have been out. If we wanted him out. They wanted him dead. The Biden administration wanted him dead. You know why they wanted him dead? For the sole crime of pointing out their incompetence. Gonzalo Lira's existence, in spite of the Biden administration and the failure that is the United States government, was a crime in and of itself punishable by death he had to go away we can move heaven and earth to get an America hating spoiled privileged complete dirtbag degenerate out of, out of a Russian prison by the name of Brian, I mean Brittany Griner. Right? We can do that. Of course, while leaving our own intelligence people behind, also in Russian prisons. That's celebrity. That's worth political points. Right? It helps out the Biden administration. Or at least they thought. Yeah! Score a couple of points. Well, now he's, I mean, it's just politics as usual. Isn't that right? As people like James Carville would say. 
But someone like Gonzalo Lira? Oh, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Nope. He is a propagandist for the other side. He is every bit the terrorist. And you must understand that to a Marxist, a terrorist is anyone that stands in the way of the revolution. Puts a whole new perspective on the war on terror, doesn't it? And so your rights as an American continue to be chipped away, chipped away, chipped away to the point that we are where we are now to where you don't really have any rights. It's a lot of it on paper. That's about it. Third Amendment. Uh, the one that we used to joke, say it's the only one that they didn't trample on. Yeah, well, look at Massachusetts now. Boy, oh boy, you're going to have to start housing those illegals. Mm-hmm. Well, but the Third Amendment only applies to quartering soldiers. Isn't that right? These illegals are not, they're not soldiers, so they can't violate the Third Amendment. Uh-huh. Boy, it sure does defeat that notion of private property as well, doesn't it? So, Gonzalo Lira has passed. And, you know, the, the voices of dissident across the world are slowly being extinguished one by one. Of course, the, the role of alternative media is, is that much more important today. And in the world in which we find ourselves. It's a sad state of affairs. Well, you know, let's talk about Iowa. So, Iowa caucuses have come and went. They are in the back, uh, the rear view mirror, rather. I almost said the back glass. They're in the back glass. It's one of those things, if you're, you're in North Carolina, we know. that that's a, that's a term we use here, North Carolina. Uh, South Side Virginia, the real Virginia, South Carolina. That's in the back glass. It's one of those things we say. But it, it, anyway, in the rearview mirror, uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of the projections, a lot of the punditry, a lot of the pageantry as well of politics has just really been turned on its head. Uh, Donald Trump didn't even really have to campaign, and he ran away with it. And, um, you know, there's some, there's certainly some sad pandas running around out there. Um, I'm kind of ambivalent to it all. And, um, you know, DeSantis, I I looked at all the other candidates and, and for the the longtime listeners, y'all know this. I looked at all the other candidates as none of you are going to be president. Uh, yes, even Ron DeSantis, I think had, had DeSantis played his cards right, um, things probably would work out better for him. And they still may. They still may. He's not going to be a presidential candidate. I'm just going to throw cold water on that. That's not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, I think that DeSantis, uh, as, as a governor, has done very well. But he has shot his long-term prospects in the foot in the larger Republican Party. 
Um, because there's very much an internal war going on, and it is a war between the neocons, which are kind of split between Haley, and they, they put a significant amount of effort into Ron DeSantis, and, um, you know, and then, of course, Trump. Now, Nikki Haley doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell in getting any kind of nomination whatsoever. I think coming out of Iowa, that proves that. And there's a lot of people that, that say, well, you know, Iowa is, is kind of the early thing in some microcosm. And like, all right, whatever mental cope that, that you want to throw out there, you can. You're more than welcome to it. But I'm just telling you right now that the, the momentum that is there, the um, – the, the the populism that is manifesting at the grassroots level that has transcended uh, Republican and Democrat politics across the board is something that, that really cannot be accounted for. And the traditional pundits that are out there, the, the, the Luntzes of the world and the Carl Roves and the, these guys, I mean, why do they get it wrong so many times? Because of grifters. You know, these guys, they have made their wealth, they've made their money off of the mainstream politics. These aren't times as usual. You know, we're really on the brink. And there is a populist uprising that's happening all across the world. And here in the United States, that's manifesting behind Donald Trump. Now, this isn't to say, you know, I'm not the biggest Donald Trump fan in the world. He didn't do a particularly great job as president the first time. Was he good? Did he do some good? Yeah. Um, but he, he fell flat on some really critically important things. He made some some uh, critical errors from the very beginning of his presidency. And I'm not so sure that, that a second term is going to be any better. I, I would think that maybe he would have learned his lesson. But then again, he was listening to a lot of a lot of uh, bad people that did not have the American people's interests at heart. And that may happen again. Right. But I know for a fact that that's going to happen with any of them. Okay. You know, just because you get a Ron DeSantis in there, who is he going to pick? He's going to pick the John Boltons of the world. Okay. That's, that's who's going to make up the cabinet. I hate to break it to you, but that that's what it is. So your best chance at throwing a wrench, being a Luddite, throwing a wrench into the machine, is going to be Donald Trump. And you can say, well, he's not going to get elected again. Well, by that same token, none of them are electable. He's the most electable of them. If he doesn't get elected, well, then none of them are going to get elected. And let's be fair. If Trump doesn't get elected, if Trump doesn't get, and I don't think that he will. Because it's a rigged game. Okay. Period. End of story. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that you are becoming aware out there. You know that it's a rigged game now. And being able to admit that there is a problem is a first step in solving a problem. Is when you know that it's rigged. And they're going to go for broke on this one. They know they have to. They don't have any alternative you've got the united states military quote unquote whoever the hell that actually is the little politburo the little military industrial complex behind the scenes saying they're worried about a donald trump if a donald trump comes back to office they're worried about that they have deep concern deep fears yeah they should 
They should. Every one of them. Every one of them need to be fired. Every one of those generals need to be dismissed from their positions. Every single doggone one of them across all of the branches because they're all political animals. Every single one of them. You answer to the commander-in-chief, you answer to the president of the United States, or you don't. And we saw a lot of that. We're continuing to see a lot of that. So, point is, is that the corruption is way too deep to hide at this point. The corruption is is got to a level that it is insurmountable. We're not winning wars. We are literally prosecuting wars for profit, not for the interests of the United States. I think that anybody who's got trigger time overseas, who lost friends overseas, as I did, as a great many of you listening to this podcast did, your brothers, your sons, your daughters, all of us in the veteran community, we're all, all of us, all of us were impacted by the last 20 years. And that's why I've got that, that uh, war rug on my wall. This is the, the falling of Afghanistan. All right. It's a reminder. And so that goes back to my point about Gonzalo Lira. What radicalized you? The fact that they kill American citizens with impunity. With impunity. No consequence whatsoever. Justified. Well, he was on the wrong side of the issue. According to who? You? Because you have power? Because you have power and you have a desire to throw that in our faces? How many Ukrainians had to die for that power? Needlessly, by the way. War is not a pleasant thing. It's not a pretty thing. And it's the thing that we are currently careening towards as well inside of our own country. Sectarian violence. It's getting ready to happen. We have a border that is completely out of control. It is open to foreign interests who will do us harm. And why is the United States government allowing it? Well, that's a great question. I don't know all the answers to it, but I can damn sure tell you they're profiting off of it. And so that's why you've got to get yourselves ready, folks. You have to be the best version of you, as my friend Kay put it last year, in a piece that he wrote on Combat Studies Group. He's 100% right. He was exactly right. And I don't think enough people heeded that warning. Because they never do. But you have to be the best version of yourself. It's not about self-improvement. It's not about beach muscles. It's not about looking good. It's not, no, it's about being the most dangerous doggone human being that you can be. It's not about wearing a bunch of fancy gear and walking around. Yeah, I'm about to talk about that. It's about actually taking meaningful action. Whether that is for you, whether that is for the people around you, that's for your community, which it should be for all of those things. You know, you got to do it. 
And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about meaningful action. Uh, so way, way back in the early, early episodes of Radio Contra, like the first four or five episodes, uh, way back in the day, Lobby Day was, was a thing, right? Lobby Day has always been a thing in Virginia, uh, at the Capitol where you have people that will, uh, go address the, the, uh, state assembly and, um, basically speak out against proposed bills and, and whatever. Well, you know, a few years back, Lobby Day really turned into a giant circus. Um, now, you know, in retrospect, I think there was, there was some, some drama made about it. Uh, a lot of it because of the, the whole unite the right thing in Charlottesville that, that was a trap for pretty much anybody who saw it coming. Um, you know, it was a pretty easy trap that a lot of people fell into, uh, scored a lot of good media talking points. Of course, the Trump administration's response was, I disavow! I disavow! Right. Um, but, you know, with all of that said, Lobby Day, uh, you know, the, the Virginia Congress was proposing some, some very draconian firearms measures. And, um, you know, it, it turned into what it turned into up there. Um. You know, I think it was pretty dumb for out-of-staters to go there. I think that was extremely dumb. And I talked about that in those early episodes. Um, the whole way that it was went about was really, really stupid. And there were a lot of people who, you know, well, I went to it and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I'm older. Look, Virginia is not my problem. All right. Virginia is not that far away from me. But it's not my problem. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, it has been a, a colony for the, the group think that comes out of Washington, D.C. for a really long time now, uh, since the 1990s. And there's, there's really no saving it. North Carolina is kind of in, in limbo right now, too. Uh, we got a lot of Californians. We got a lot of people coming from Washington, Seattle area, that are just shitting the state up, too. Uh, so... You know, it's, they're not sending their best, uh, or, or as it is said, right? But, um, you know, that being said, Raleigh is my problem. I'm in North Carolina. Raleigh's my problem, not Richmond. It's, you know, the, I mean, it sucks, but I ain't going up there. Uh, Virginia's not my problem. Further, what is taking meaningful action? Uh, what is that? And I'm gonna. I know that that this is gonna polarize some folks out there, but you know, first of all, I ain't scared of that, and this needs to be said. Okay, it needed to be said a few years ago, and I said it. I'm gonna say it again now. So there's been some pictures that have come out of it. Of course, this uh, most recent Lobby Day hasn't really been. Um, you know, wasn't wasn't the thing, the spectacle it was made uh, a few years ago, right? But that being said, you still had some of the the usual types that are going out there uh, now i, I want to say probably everybody knows but for the one person listening to this that's not familiar with me or what i do i am a trainer uh, i train guys in small unit tactics 
I run a store that sells tactical gear. We sell communications. We, um, you know, I have night vision. I have thermal, you know, self freeze dry food, you know, all the prepper supplies, right? Tactical gear that's custom made here in the United States, books, right? All, all the things. I'm a best selling author, two time number one best selling author now, right? But what I'm going to tell you, I hope that at least some people take this to heart because it needs to be said. So some pictures that have come out of this, right? You know, guys all kitted out wearing combat shirts and like all their tactical gear and stuff. Um, folks, why? Um, here's the deal. You know, when I see this stuff, and and there there were images that were being shared all over social media because uh, the, the one guy is, is really obese. All right, look, man. You know, I'm not picking on the dude because he's he, he knows that he needs to lose some weight. Now, whatever he does about it is, is really on him. I don't really care about any of that. It, it's the totality of all of it. Okay, um, you know, when the whole uh, 2A Sanctuary Counties thing was becoming a thing, um, a gentleman who is who's one of the, let's say, one of the anchor points in, in the community, socially, um, you know, wealthy been a tobacco farmer for a very long time. He was a officer, company commander in Vietnam. Um, you know, Ranger School. He's 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 done it all, right? Did it all, and he's a very well respected member of the community. And so when the the whole Second Amendment, uh, Sanctuary County thing was becoming a thing, uh. You know, he, he he got a group of us together and, you know, we we went to the local county assembly, right? And, of course, you know, I'm not going to speak there. And this is long before, you know, Radio Contra and all this stuff. I think I might have had some podcasts at the time. I was definitely writing Brush Beater at the time. and I was uh, American Partisan was definitely around, but um, I'm not sure if I was podcasting yet. But anyway... Point is, though, is that these are all people who, who are respected in the community, right, that are, that are going up there. And only a couple of people really needed to speak. And the measure, you know, went through 2A Sanctuary County, which, I mean, you know, all this stuff is kind of empty gestures, really, but it's more symbolic than anything else. But whatever, man, it's, it's all part of it. Uh, but the important thing to note here is, is that we're all from the community. We're all of the community where we are. We're dressed like everybody else. You know, I was uh, I just did a show with uh, Blaine Pardo, uh, Writers Fix Problems, a couple of mornings ago. We talked about the Grills Guide to Signet. And at the end of that show, the last 15 minutes or so, I was talking about the insurgent mindset. You know, I'm a farmer. I'm a just just regular dude hanging out in the woods, you know, in my little corner in North Carolina. I look like everybody else, you know, wear Carhartt. I wear a pair of jeans. I'm wearing boots. 
got mud all over me usually. I'm out doing stuff, right? Um, I don't, for the life of me, understand this this innate desire that, that a lot of people have to dress and run around like soldiers. I don't get it. There's a time and a place for that. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Maybe. But not in all cases. When I'm teaching small unit tactics courses, it's something I bring up. Why are you wearing all that stuff? You don't need to wear all that stuff, right? You need to wear things that are effective, not a bunch of stuff. Now, multicam might be effective in the woods, right? It, you know, it's it's not a bad camo pattern by itself. There's other really good camo patterns too, though, that don't fingerprint you as being something you're not. A uniform represents authority. That authority is bestowed upon a populace that stands behind you, right? And there has to be some formality to it. That is the third element. It is, it is actually bestowed in a formal sense. Not, you know, hey, uh, Bubba and his, his gang of buddies are, are just running around in, in army camo, right? Here's my point. This is where I'm getting with this. When we got together for our county uh, assembly for the, the 2A sanctuary deal, we're all wearing, it was it was in the winter, you know, it's cold. We're wearing Carhartt jackets. Everybody's wearing Carhartt jacket, right? Old faded Carhartt Detroit jacket. Got the leather collar around it, zips up, right? Waist length. Why are those so popular? You know, somebody asked me, they were watching Yellowstone, because all those guys, all those cowboys are wearing those. On Yellowstone, why why is that jacket so popular? I thought cowboys wore dusters. It's like, nah, not really. Um, you know, I do know a couple of guys that wear wool skin dusters, but that's kind of rare. Normally, that's that's like they're on their feet, um, and they have to be out in weather and stuff. But that's still kind of rare. You wear those short uh, waist length Eisenhower style jackets because they're really handy to wear. That's that's something that's that's very comfortable. You could be in a shop. Right, you know, working in a heated shop, like like everybody I know that does metal work, that's what they're all wearing. Like all all the the guys that are carpenters, that's what they're wearing. Like that, that's just a it's a standard because it's not it's like nothing hangs down. It's not going to get caught up on anything. Makes a really efficient chore coat, right? Well, that's what everybody around here wears, or they wear a Carhartt coat with a hood on it. Yeah, keep you warm. Put that hood up, keep you warm. Um, we all look like, everybody looks like everybody else. You know, there's, there's no, there's no pretending. And a lot of those guys that were in that crowd that I was a part of, right? Here in my local area, pretty much all of them were veterans. Pretty much all of them. And you know, and, and veterans with combat time, like like in a couple of cases, pretty serious ones. Like the guy that, that put it together, you know, he's a Vietnam vet. He's company commander. He's a ranger. You know, dude, dude's seen it. Right? He's seen the elephant. And he wasn't running around out there posing with a rifle, put a plate carrier on. For what reason? For what reason? 
What reason, what does that serve? Purposes us serve. You know, it, 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 you're not winning anybody over like that. You definitely not. Um, and I know, again, that's, people are going to get worked up over that. They're going to hear that stuff. Oh, uh, you know, but oh, he's a, look, man, there's a time and a place for all the gear. If we're strapping up to go do bad things to bad people. Damn right. I'm going to wear the most effective stuff for the job. But I don't make it a doggone costume. You know, it's not a costume. It's not something that I'm, I'm running around telling the world. You know, as I sit here in a pair of dirty Ariat jeans and, and a pair of cowboy boots on, right, that are covered in mud as I'm recording this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just telling you. Um, so when I see that, I, I, I kind of look past the fact that the one dude and everybody's ragging on this guy on social media. Look, man, to that guy, hey, and, and his buddies around him, guys, look. You know, he knows what he needs to do. There were people saying, oh, he's a liability. I said, the dude knows that. I hope he knows that. But here's the deal. There's meaningful action, and then there's noise. And when you're running around in public, when you look like a caricature like that, you don't look professional, you look like a caricature, that's, that's, that's what it comes across as. And so the anti-gunners, the liberals, all this stuff, when they see that, the, you could dismiss this as saying, well, they're going to say whatever they're going to say anyway. And that may be true. But to everybody else that sees it, that maybe might be on the fence, that you want to bring over to your side, what face are you putting in front of them? You know, I'm going to tell you something about um, uh, the Bundy Ranch standoff. So, you know, my dad coming up, uh, when I was coming up in the, the late 80s into the 90s, the, the all the, the militia stuff started getting real big and, you know, in, in response to Ruby Ridge and then Waco and, you know, and, and you know, I had some cousins that, that were that were big into that kind of thing locally, you know, and, um, you know, that's kind of, I mean, right wing dissidents. That's, that's what this is all about. It's, you know, Radio Contra, it's all part of that. That's all part of it. But my dad was never, in the beginning, he wasn't really into all that stuff. It was like, you know, all right, at the end of the day, like, he's, I wouldn't say he was a normie, but he definitely wasn't, he, he looked at all that stuff and saw a lot of it for what it was too, right? It's, it's a good thing, but there's definitely some bad elements to it. And that at the end of the day, you know, that those those are voices that need to be heard. But take the good with the bad. And, um, you know, it, it just was what it was, right? Going into the 2000s, you know, you got the global war on terror. And then, you know, we'll fast forward to the, the whole Bundy Ranch thing. And he, he was watching that. And he was watching the overwhelmingly negative coverage of it. Right, because it was overwhelmingly negative coverage. It, I remember he, he was sitting there and he was watching CBS. Right, and so I got done doing whatever it was I was doing on one particular day when all that was going on. You know, I was spending the afternoon with him, getting getting some father son time in, and um, you know, he he had that whole that was when the standoff was was really going on, and and he's got that up there, and he's kind of watching it, and he goes, you know. I don't, I really don't understand 
uh, about this whole thing. Why don't they just leave those guys alone? And it was really surprising to me, really surprising to me to hear him say that. And he said, I mean, when you look at these guys, they just look like, you know, they're, they're ranchers who the government's trying to take land that they had a lease on. I mean, his, the, the way that, that he framed the whole thing was very much an everyman uh, kind of deal that he recognized. He saw it. He saw it for what it was, and he was exactly right. You see, you know, the, if the government could do that to them, they'll do any. They, they'll do that to us. They'll do it to any of us. He's, I mean, these just they seem like like you know good cowboys that were running their ranch, and and you know corrupt politics out there is is just trying to take take their livelihood. That's exactly what was happening, right? They had a right to stand off. So when you fast forwarded that a little bit to the Maller Wildlife Refuge and that standoff, he saw he's like, all right, this is the same group of guys. He said, I really don't understand how they they went from Nevada to uh, the Wildlife Refuge in Oregon, but but still, it seems like they've got a point, man. Maybe they're trying to. So they won him over. They won a guy who was very much a normie. You know, hey, I'm just here to raise my horses and, you know, and, and live my life and I don't get involved in all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all politics as usual. Right. That that's him. That was his his mindset on a lot of stuff, on most things. But they want him over. A group of cowboys. Ranchers who stood down the government. Want him over. How'd they do that? Because if you looked at the overwhelming number of the guys that were out there, were there people that were running around in, in multicams? Yeah, and, and was it necessary at that point? Yeah, I agree, it was. But everybody that was speaking, right? everybody that was speaking to the media, everybody that put a, pub, a public face on all that, whether it was good or bad, how it turned out, look, I know, I know the whole story, all right? But the image of it, the imaging... A man like Lavoie Fenicum. Lavoie Fenicum showed up with mossy oak camo. He, he, everything else that he would normally have. You know his his uh, lever action rifle. And and his wheel gun, things that every rancher has, things that every farmer has. That's what he brought to the fight. No fancy. You know, AR or AK or whatever. And I mean, I wouldn't bring a lever gun to the fight. I'd be bringing, um, you know, I, I have my selection of things that, that I would be bringing out. You know, nods and IR laser and everything. But that's me, right? But this guy was willing to show up to the fight with what he had. And uh, he paid the price for it ultimately. And, and that's awful and tragic, right? And I think about that often. A lot like Gonzalo Lira, you know. But point is, is what they did was meaningful action. It wasn't just noise. There was meaningful action. And if it woke up one man, which I know that it absolutely did, because after that point, he had unwavering support for me and everything that I do. Which he did. Didn't necessarily have before that. 
No, don't don't quit your normal job. Don't quit your day job. Are you crazy? Don't do that. I heard that often. This this all this stuff is is just a fad. It's it's gonna it's it's gonna come and go. You have a you have a job, and your commitment is to your family. That was what he told me. But instead, I chose a different path because I knew it was committed to all of you out there. And if that one incident could wake him up, that was meaningful action. I can tell you that a group of guys walking around the capital of any state in the United States in a bunch of tactical gear uh, with, with, you know, let's be real, guys. All bravado aside, do you really think that you're outgunning anybody up there? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But come on. You know, you ain't you ain't door kicking in Samar, Iraq. Not yet. We're not there. And please, folks, don't confuse this for admonishment. Don't confuse this for, and I'm telling you, I ain't going to hear none of this shit that some people say, oh, they're, they're doing something. Yeah, I'm out there doing something every time I train groups of people, and those are the people who are going to commit to meaningful action by the way. They're not interested in parading around or creating shows. The people who are doing real things out there. There's a time and a place for protest. Yes. Yes, there absolutely is. But when you do it, you put a professional face on it, you show up, you look like everybody else, and you dress the part. It's not a costume. And we don't telegraph capabilities. I mean, don't you think that that people would take an organization just a little bit more seriously if the leader of the organization showed up in a clean-cut business suit and cleanly, articulately stated the case? Hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. Oh, and by the way, we have the money to back it up. I certainly think so. But that's just my opinion. As a person who trains men in the art of war to remain free. Just my opinion. Anyway, with that said, folks, again, don't take it as an admonishment, but it's one of those things. And we see it over and over again. Um, you know, I don't pull out a rifle unless I intend to use it. And that's that. Tonight, live Q&A is going to be at 2200, 2200 uh, tonight here on the Podbean app. Live Q&A, we're going to be fielding questions for one hour. So 60 minutes all together, and uh, we can field those questions. We're going to be talking specifically about communications, of course, and we're going to be fielding your questions about night vision and thermal, all the questions, all the things that you wanted to know or may, maybe might want to know. We're going to be talking about all of that because if, in case you haven't noticed, Brushbeater dot store is a full one-stop shop now for night vision 
and thermal optics. We got it all. We got it all. And by the way, I have them in stock here at the Gorilla Camp, located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. Of course, all things that you order get same-day shipping if you order them before noon. And with that said, everything that you order that is listed as in stock is here at my place and ships from here. Uh, so everything on the store that is that is listed as being in stock is actually in stock. I get a lot of questions about that out there. A lot of people ask about that. Uh, but uh, no, there, there's no pre-orders on stuff. I don't do that. Uh, there's no uh, pay me now and you'll get it in 20 days or so. When, you know, we, we, I don't play that game. Um, I have what I have. And if I don't have it and it's just out of stock, sign up for that email notification and you will get it in your inbox uh, when it comes in stock. But uh, perennially in high demand. And with that said, folks, uh, I really, really Appreciate the love and support that this community continuously has. Uh, how far this podcast has grown in just a few years and how far we have yet to go. I'm really excited for the future. Uh, with that said, I will talk to you again later tonight. 2200, originally going to be 2100. I've got a show with Angry American himself, Chris Weatherman. And so the Q&A is going to pick up live right after that because I am a man of my word. And I really look forward to talking to all of you. God bless, folks. Go out there and be meaningful in your actions. Zensi Scout, out.